David Bowie, we could be heroes. What a show it's been already today. Right, I mean, you think about all the guests already. Gary Myers talking 9-11 in football. Joseph Aboud talking 9-11. Governor Pataki talking 9-11. Rudy Giuliani moments ago, that was amazing stuff, talking 9-11. Rob Shooter talking about the death of Queen Elizabeth. Go back and listen to that amazing stuff. Prince Charles is now the king. That doofus is now the king of England. You can't make it up. And uh, Lydia was great, too. But my next guest, another 9-11 hero, a man that was forced into duty because somebody died that day and went on to do just like Giuliani and Carrick and Esposito and, uh, you know, Pataki, an amazing job. He was the 33rd commissioner of the fire department and is now a very, very good friend of mine. He is the esteemed Daniel Nigro. Commissioner Nigro, how are you, pal? I'm okay, Sid. Okay. This is a tough time of year for uh, everybody here in New York, but especially uh, the fire department of the city of New York. Yeah, I know you guys uh, lost 243 people that day. But but tell everybody Peter Gancy was in charge, and uh, he died that day. And the next thing you know, you go from a firefighter to literally running the whole show. Tell us how that whole thing went down. Well, yeah, there, and but it was 343 members of the department died that day, along with chief of department, Gancy, who was a good friend, and he was – he and First Deputy Commissioner Fian, believe it or not, at 71 years of age, were uh, in the process of rescuing people from the South Tower collapse when the North Tower went down and killed them both. So I went from Chief of Operations, which was second in command, to Chief of Department um, that evening uh, under Fire Commissioner Tom Von Essen. What a, what, a, what a transition. What a way to become Chief of Department. Um, not something... Not something one hopes for. Yeah, I can tell you all emotional now. We just had Woody Giuliani on, Dan, and he said that he basically turned that day over to you, that he was kind of involved talking to the president, trying to figure out what was going to be attacked next, and he basically turned the World Trade Center issue over to you. Is that the way you remember it going down? Well, the fire department, you know, with our presence, we had – so many members there, and Pete Gancy was running the show for us. It was a fire department operation. Um, we had people in both towers, and our job, we knew the calls were coming in uh, fast and furious from people uh, who were above the impact areas in both towers. We were just trying to get them out. We couldn't put those fires out, um, and we just ran out of time, simply ran out of time, and then spent every day, every night until the end of May 2002 uh, at that site, uh, trying our best to recover uh, the remains of anyone who was lost. You know, I, I started getting angry with the Avaldi coverage because some kid took a gun and went in, uh, Commissioner Nigro, and killed all these little kids. And that story turned from this horrible person into what a lousy job the police department did. And I started getting angry. I know they did a lousy job. They did. But not everybody is so courageous. They're about to walk up stairs of a building knowing the building is about to come down. But the Evaldi story does teach us just how amazing the men and women of this city, whether it was police, 
firefighters, first responders, they knew going in there was a very good chance they would never get out. And yet, Daniel, they ran up those stairs knowing the buildings were coming down. Well, not one member of the department um, hesitated or refused to do their job that day. And it, it does show you what kind of people um, come into the department and, and still come into the department. And to this day, um, perhaps not on the same level as the World Trade Center, but every day members of our department do the same thing, go into burning buildings, go into hazardous situations, uh, risk their own lives for the sake of others. Uh, it was on a uh, unbelievable scale 21 years ago, but it didn't surprise me that our members took that risk yep. for the sake of those who were trapped. So when you're sitting down there and you're trying to strategize how to save people without killing your own people, was there a moment, Dan, when you said, you know what, if I send my folks in there, they're probably going to die. This doesn't look like we can put this thing out or we can really stop the buildings from crumbling? Was there ever a moment where you said to yourself, maybe it's time to stop, or was it no way not till every person is out of that building? Well, I, I think uh, there was a, a, a time when we started ordering people out. Um, it became uh, clear that the buildings were, uh, although early on, no one was considering a total collapse of the building. We thought there would be um, lapses at various levels of the building, but not the way they came down. Uh, certainly no one could have imagined that. But uh, it was too late. You know, we, we had people up uh, up as high as the impact area in the South Tower at the time it came down. Now, that's the 86th floor, is that right? Well, uh, uh yeah, in the North Tower it was. In the, right. in the South, a little lower. The United Airlines plane um, hit that tower a little lower. Right. And Membid has had reached the Sky Lobby, which I believe was on 78, and um, and simply ran out of time. They found many victims up there and um, were actually attempting to get above. Mm. And mm. that tower came down, and then subsequently yeah. the tower followed. You know, the fire is difficult enough. And right after you retired, by the way, there was a, a huge fire in the Bronx, and many people died. It got you back on the air. But when you combine the jet fuel from these airplanes, which hit the towers that day, I'm going to ask you a, a kind of a, a, a very a detailed inside baseball question. How much hotter is that fire because of the jet fuel? Well, the the added load, first of all, the structural damage that the planes did, they were traveling at a rate of speed that is, is uh, um, way above what what an aircraft like that is capable of flying at at that altitude. Uh, so they did tremendous structural damage, and you add that to the, uh, the amount of fuel that normally wouldn't be in the building, of course. These planes had just taken off, so they, and they were flying out to the West Coast. They were heavy with jet fuel and and that added those two things combined the structural damage and the uh, uh the terrible heat of the fire just just destroyed the uh the integrity of the buildings i remember standing on the west side highway i lived in uh, chelsea at the time and i walked to the west side highway and uh, i was there with thousands of people the next day you know and uh, the cops were coming by us and the firemen we were cheering you know let's go usa usa 
And um, still struck by the, the courage of, uh, of your people, Dan, and, and the cops, too. And I remember thinking, they're going to find some people. And then later on that night, it became pretty evident they weren't going to find any people. That they either just literally disintegrated or just you couldn't get to them. Were you surprised in the end that there were so little uh, bodies, people recovered at that area? Yeah, you know, um, even while it, while it was going on, you know, we thought we'd have so many injured people, and uh, we did have some, but it, uh, it seemed people either su- either survived it or uh, unscathed or were killed. And then we had hoped that we'd find people on the multiple layers below the towers. Perhaps people uh, took refuge uh, down there, and 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 no. You know, we found uh, after the first day, no one was taken out alive. And um, initially, that was surprising. Mm. But one, yeah. as we examined uh, what was left of those buildings, um, it just um, was no chance for people people to come out. It was a miracle that we had some folks survived in a stairway uh, in the North Tower. I, when I heard People saying they were in that stair, I thought they were uh, confused and were actually in a different building because there was nothing left, and yet, uh, and yet they did survive. Wow, and that was uh, a miracle. What floor was that? Do you remember? Well, they were coming down a stair, and uh, they had they had stopped. Our members had stopped because there was a woman in distress, and they wanted to make sure they got her out safely. And uh, uh, as they were almost out of the building, perhaps at uh, five floors from the from the lobby, the tower came down, and they were trapped inside. And it took us uh, it took us a few hours to get them out, but we did, and and it was a miracle that they did survive. And uh, the captain of Ladder Six, Jay Jonas, just retired. He stayed on the department uh, for 20 years, became a deputy chief, and um, uh, he's. Uh, He's, he's quite a guy. Wow. So uh, on the way out, we know all the urban legends between the cops and the firefighters. They hate each other, and they play football, and they really want to kill each other, blah, blah, blah. And then we wanted the impression that 9-11 was uh, – it changed. It changed. After that, cops and firefighters, they respected each other. They loved each other. They worked together so well in saving lives and restoring a semblance of normalcy in this city. Is that true? Did 9-11 kind of change at least a little – the relationship between cops and fire? You know, it might have. I think uh, I think we always had a fairly good relationship. There were a few times when, uh, you know, things would go astray. And certainly on the football field, we look as if we're going <laughs> to the hockey rink. We, uh, right. uh, we play pretty rough both sides. But uh, um, it's been getting better and better. The relations today between the police department and fire department have never been better. Um and uh, I think it's a, it's a lot – the leadership over the years of both departments um, uh, have worked hard to make that a reality. And everyone realized on 9-11 that we were all trying to do the same thing. The Port Authority Police, the uh, New York City Police, the Fire Department uh, were all just concerned with those people trapped in the building and did the best we could to get them out. And, and unfortunately, uh, between – between the three departments, we we lost uh, you know four hundred uh, four hundred souls. Yeah, yeah. 
A lot, of, a lot of guys and girls died from my area out uh, in Rockaway. So on the way out, Daniel Nigro, and you know I love you. You're a great guy and become a very good friend. Uh, is it fair to say that that day was both, Dan, in your life, the worst day and your most proud day? Yeah, it was certainly the worst day. And, and you know, this time of year uh, I get very uh, emotional about it. a day like today with clear skies and, and nice weather just uh, – uh, it just takes me back to it, but you know, of course, thinking of it, it was a, it was a day that you could be proud of the people of the department and their dedication to the people of the city, and uh, we cannot we cannot forget that. But um, I, I try to remember all of, all the folks that were lost and how much they meant to me, and uh, and their families. And um, Sunday will be once again a very solemn day. Well, thank you for doing this today. I know it's tough on you, and Sunday will be even tougher. So thank you for doing this. I, I appreciate our friendship. I appreciate the hero that you are and have been to this city for many, many, many years. God bless you. Talk again very soon. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Sid. All right, my friend. There he is, Daniel Nigro, former FDNY commissioner.